Welcome, marketing interns, to season two, episode number 28. The boys from the back pocket are here to talk to you about a few things about ourselves first before we get into the content of this full episode. Absolutely. So the first thing I want to talk to you guys about, something that we mentioned on our last podcast, it's the Anchor Listener Support page. It is live. It is ready to go, and we're excited about it. You can submit or donate any money that you like on our Anchor page if you go to our uh, any any of our links that we post on our social media. So or the website. link is anchor a n c h o r dot f m, and then when you're on there, you can type in the back pocket podcast, and then when you're the, our donate page will be the front and the first thing that you see on the front page. Yep, and you can put up any money that you want. It'd be on a monthly basis, anywhere from I think one to ten dollars, anything like that. But honestly, if you can't, don't worry about it. But what we love is just interaction man if you could hit us up if it's not donating a, a couple bucks a month maybe it's you know once a month commenting on our posts or you know downloading a couple of our podcasts or telling your friends about how great our podcast is or send a raven i mean really at the end of the day we're just trying to get some feedback and granted this is a monetization of feedback and that would be super beneficial to us and we feel like if we are bringing that amount of value to your day-to-day life then please feel free to donate but if the value it does not seem monetization worth then like declan said please just give us interaction because at the end of the day we love interaction and where can you interact with us more frequently youtube YouTube's one of our favorite places right now because it's so untapped with the back pocket. It's been utilized very well by a lot of people, and they've made a lot of money off of it. But really, we just like people having the chance to see us uh, visually. Yeah, I think there are visual learners out in this world. I think there's no secret to that. And I think YouTube would be a great opportunity. And, you know, we're always doing goofy stuff here. We have a great room, the, the Den 2.0, all kinds of great stuff to see. YouTube's just a phenomenal platform. If you... Uh, you know, have a, have a little bit of time, go over onto our YouTube page, hit that subscribe button. And, you know, we're posting stuff almost every day. Yeah. So season two, episode 28 has some fun things going on. I mean, Matt Heron, Declan Brown, and Andrew and Sarah sat around a round table and had a great debate between process oriented and results oriented with our shirts off. Yeah. Uh, you could see our physiques and really see truly who we are to the uh, bare bones. And uh, whether that makes you uncomfortable or not, I apologize in advance, but controversy is the air we breathe and our, our shirts are off. Yeah. Look, if you, uh, you want to watch us with our shirts off, YouTube's the spot. If you want to imagine us with our shirts on, podcasting is also the, uh, the, the way to go. And then you can also find us at yourbackpockets.com. That's Y-O-U-R-B-A-C-K-P-O-C-K-E-T-S.com. Plural. Had to make it plural. That was what we decided in month one of our podcast in February of 2017. Either way, a lot of cool stuff going on there. Go ahead and check it out. Uh, let's transition now to people that we want to bring more appreciation to. We've done it every episode since season two, and we're going to continue to do it. Skyline Specs is a fantastic company with a fantastic founder, Scott Ballard. We just had him on Marketing Intern Spotlight number five. You can hear the story of Skyline Specs and truly get yourself um, in, engulfed into what and how it came about um, through him starting a, uh, through his entrepreneurship class, starting Skyline Specs with a pair of two other people or a trio, and uh, then taking it on himself because he saw more value in it. And now it has grown into what it is today. Skyline Specs, you can see them at skylinespecs.com. And if you see a product that you like, whether it's the sunglasses, the case for the sunglasses, he's got a few other items on there that I think you guys would thoroughly enjoy. So head on over there. And if you find something you like, use our promo code BACKPOCKET and receive a discount. 
15% off. Absolutely. And I also want to talk about one of our other good friends that we had on the podcast, our very first marketing intern spotlight, Austin Doomer. He is one of the co-founders of MB Outdoors. Now, where you had mentioned that Scott Ballard had started it with Skyline Specs with three people or three other people in that entrepreneur class, you know what? Austin Doomer with MB Outdoors is doing the same thing. It's three guys, all from the military, and they're all just crushing it right now in the real world and using MB Outdoors as a side hustle. Right now, they are selling products such as shirts, hats, pullovers, you name it. And it's all about taking that experience from the outdoors and those excursions you take on and then bring it to a shirt, man. These shirts are phenomenal. These hats are phenomenal. You guys will absolutely love it. They're always doing giveaways on their Instagram. If you go to MB Outdoors Official, those guys are always looking to give back to their 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 people. And if you take if you buy some of their products using promo code BACKPOCKET, send them a picture. They're going to post it on their Instagram. It's great for marketing. You guys get after it. Thank you. Now, intro music. It's your time to shine. I'm just in- Today is August 20th, and the boys from the back pocket have a special full-length guest, Maddie Two Cents, Decky, headphones, I got nothing. How we doing? Dude, that really threw you through a loop there, having, having to introduce two people. We got Matt Heron, Maddie Two Cents, and then myself, Decky Headphones. We got we got Andy Intros over here. Yeah, just I was going to say Cheese, but it didn't roll off the tongue as well. No, it's all good. All good. Hey, nothing, nothing to worry there. But hey, Matt Heron, how you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, this is uh, the second time we've had you on now? The second time, and we're going to be delving into some intellectual topics again for the second time? Yeah. Yes, the first time we had you on was a great debate, and it was uh, Gorilla versus Grizzly Bear. Gorilla versus Grizzly Bear. I remember. I took over that show, so I remember that. Yeah, it was phenomenal. I just very thankful for you to come on podcast 28 with john abraham if you guys were wondering which podcast that was probably my favorite podcast to date in my opinion so it's gonna be a great one results first process we got just a crazy thing going on today um but of course you know it's just still it's a standard episode podcast 64 we got average quality we got a what do we learn in the back end with a feel-good story so so stick around you know it's we're it's just gonna be really flowing it's gonna be like the nile river just gonna be flowing downhill the whole time. You're not seamless transitions from segment to segment. I'm excited. I think we're excited. Should we get into it? No yeah. average quality. Yeah, let's get it. Yeah. All right. I'll start us off. So my average quality. Maybe it's our average quality. And uh, I kind of realized it when we were kind of convoing, kind of in a conversation about uh, this whole situation because this is the first time we've had someone on from start to finish, and I'm excited. And we were kind of talking about like how other people are, have a full show, three people. And maybe it'd be on the radio early in the morning, like say 5 a.m. And we were imitating a little radio voice. So picture yourself right now, marketing interns. Like you're in the car and you're heading to work, early shift. Yeah, it's 5.30 in the morning. You know, you probably got, what, five hours of sleep because you went to bed at midnight. You watched a... You are on Instagram for too long. Yeah, Instagram. You watched, you know, an extra episode of Netflix. Um, you got deep into YouTube. Yep, you know there's those, traffic. Those YouTube chains that you get into where you're like, you know... It's 2 a.m. and you're watching mango worms getting taken out of dogs and you don't know how you got there. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, that is just gross as hell. But regardless, you're not in like the most solid state of mind. You're a little dazed. You're still waking up and it's 530 
and this show hits air, and it's bam. Welcome, Minneapolis. It's 5.30 here in the morning, and we are live. Good morning, Minneapolis. You're here with your three wacky hosts coming at you. It's 5 a.m. We've got an hour of commercial-free radio coming at you right now. Let's get after it, fellas. I just, uh, I'm so excited for it. Thanks for being here. However you may be listening, thank you for listening. This is the Herd, Cal and Cow Herd. So that would be our very wildly average intro if we were 5.30 in the morning radio show hosts. I thought mine was pretty over average. Yeah, well, it's like Jackie, one of my best qualities. Yeah, that was pretty actually phenomenal. Jackie's probably... <laughs> mine was below for sure. Below, and I was, was just your normal. Kill, no, it was just your normal podcast voice. Dude. Yeah, no, I, I didn't change anything. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just a normal average guy. This is how I, this is how I normally talk. This is how I speak. Always I, talk, on I talk that way sometimes. Dude. So maybe the average is voice inflection because that's... Uh, Sometimes Dak just goes straight Theo Vaughn, and that's his twang for the whole day. Like, he only talks in Theo Vaughn voice. <laughs> I love Theo Vaughn now. Yeah, I don't know what it is, dude. Like, I'm just obsessed with him. <laughs> I did a, uh, I don't know if anyone saw this, but it was on LinkedIn. I, uh, I ran, I was back in Colorado last week, and I was running. Just went on a quick run, you know, feeling kind of chunky. Take some pounds off. And, like, 90% of it was uphill. Just battling the whole time. I was like, Even know, on the way back? It, well, it was a big circle. Oh, it was just, like, a, a tilted circle. So so you ended up at, okay. Either way. The, whatever way I was running, it was yeah. uphill. It wasn't fun. Both ways, yeah. And uh, after, I just decided to do one of those, just a recording. And I turned my phone sideways and just like, it was a selfie recording, one minute long. And the entire thing was just Theo Von slang. But I was talking about how, you know, it was an uphill battle. And, you know, everything that we're going to be going through with the podcast. And everything that in life is just always going to be an uphill battle. And you just got to attack it. And... Uh, this the Theo Von Twang though back to it. I put I didn't have a shirt on. I was like out of breath the well, entire time. Of that, we don't have our shirts on right now. Um, can we explain to our marketing interns? Give them a little picture of what's going on. Yeah. So it's three guys, no shirts, in a house that's way too big for us, and we're just in the podcast studio on the third floor, crushing a podcast and abiding by the laws of the house. We set up across one rule. You guys know it. It's no shirts. Right. And so, you know, if we're going to record a roommate podcast, it's got to be with no shirts. So, yeah, that, so all, for the, that's the visual for all those marketing interns out there, right? And that rule came, that, that rule didn't just pop out of nowhere. Like, we just found ourselves, like, four days in a row all chilling in the living room without shirts on. And we were like, what's going on here? And it was, it was just fate. So. <laughs> it was, uh, no, it's not natural selection. It was just natural. It happened natural. naturally, and we identified it, and now, it, now we force it. Yeah. But uh, take, uh, transition into Decky's average quality. What would be your average quality today, Deck? Thanks for transitioning me. And it's actually a little bit of a story. Dave Meltzer's party, a recent guest of the back pocket, he had, or was supposed to have, I should say, a party, like a fi- his 50 for 50 party. We, were, um, we hyped it up last podcast. Yeah, and he, he invited us. It was our feel-good story. We were super stoked for it. And... We had our tickets ready to go. It's five blocks away from where we live in Minneapolis, and we're walking there, and uh, we show up to the bar, and no one's there. But you know what, Andrew and I, have, of course, you know, stay positive, and not to brag, but we also got him a present because it's his birthday. We got to give him a present, so we got this bag, if, and we filled it full of uh, some some McGoldens because you know got to give him a taste of Minnesota from one generation of party to the next, and we gave him a koozie and everything. But we put it in this bag, and I titled it the the be- the gift of humility, because you know he's big on humility. So, anyways, long story short, the con or the uh, party gets canceled, 
So allegedly, yeah. Well, you know, he, so what happened was his flight got canceled for some reason. Allegedly canceled. Yeah, allegedly canceled. We, I called HR. They, they told me, yep, canceled everything. Can't, couldn't do nothing about alleged it. Alleged HR. Yeah. yeah, alleged HR. All of this is alleged. Thank you for reminding yeah. me, Matt. But yeah, I'm just walking around. My average quality getting to it is I was just walking around with a bag of humility, just a gift of humility, and people were just giving me the funniest looks. I'm like, yeah, there is humility in this and bag. We sat at this little window bar. So we had the uh, the bag propped up with the window like kicked out, so every bystander that passed, every pedestrian, every patron of Lynn Lake Brewery that walked by was that saw the gift of humility, and it was it was it was quite uh, it was humbling. Yeah, it was definitely humbling, and it, it just perfectly represented the bag. But guess what? I mean, we have still have the chance to give it to Dave because he's coming back in a couple weeks. And we will be hosting. That is also alleged, but we reached out to David and we told him like, hey, we know you're having trouble scheduling a venue. Allegedly. So, allegedly. So we would be the guys to host it for you. And when he arrives, he's coming to our address and he will sit in this studio and he he will have the gift of humility propped up right in the center, right next to these mints. Thank you, Jack and Doomer. Yeah, always need, a, always need a little mint, but I'm excited for him. Can, I, can I tell the marketing interns my theory on this story? On, on the party sure yeah sure so my theory is and it's an absolute power move and whether he did it or not i'm gonna steal this move from him is that when when you know if i ever get big is you know you you meet people and you want to you want to keep them in good res- you know you want to keep your relationship with them good but they're huge dweebs right so i can't be bringing them around my real friends so like dave Meltzer probably i don't know the guy i know him from the podcast he seems like a really cool guy Probably didn't do this, but I'm just let me tell you the story. He actually does come to Minneapolis, throws a huge party, tells you guys to go to the dweeb party, and then has his sister pretend to be HR and call you guys and be like, oh, it's all canceled, but really he's just raging like three blocks down. Mm. That's your theory? That's my theory. I'm going to, uh, that's a very conspiracy theory. Go ahead and rank that theory. Well, how, out of 10, Andrew, yeah, what would you rank um, that theory? Out of uh, 10 to Alex Jones, I'd say that is uh, Alex Jones' theory. Eddie Bravo? Eddie, mm, not, no, he'd probably be just above Alex Jones. You're way at the bottom in the okay. barrel with that theory. Okay. Uh, David would never do that to us because, A. Allegedly. David's listening <laughs> to this right now, and he knows. That That's why I said he probably didn't do it, but if he did, Dave, it's a power move. I like it, and I'm going to steal it. Okay. Well, I'm trapping the puck on that. I'm yeah. going to transition to your average quality. Matt, my average quality. So my, what would it be? My average quality is um, getting rid of like the tendencies that I had like going through elementary school. Like, like the other day, I was at work in a meeting, and I asked if I could go to the bathroom. And everyone just looked at me like... Just go to the bathroom, dude. Like, so I still you just like, interrupted our meeting. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, so I, I would say my average quality is is getting rid of those is getting rid of all the things that I had to do in elementary school that I don't have to now that I'm an adult. So what was going through your head when you were like, oh man, I really got to go to the bathroom? And then did your brain just put up a wall and like, nope, <laughs> well, you gotta ask a, first. Well, I did a ter- I actually did a terrible job even asking because I was like, I basically like st- I was running the meeting and it was a review. And then I was basically like, we were only like halfway done with it. And I was like, all right, so are we done now? Or if we're going to be here for a while, can I go to the bathroom? And they were like, yeah. <laughs> just, you could go. You could go. We're going to be here for a while. But yeah, you go to the bathroom. This thing doesn't end in weird five up. minutes. Yeah. So, it's... <laughs> so 
Yeah. Well, going bad. off that, something that I need to improve on that I still am stuck in elementary I'm, and probably in preschool because I don't think they did this in elementary is nap time. Yeah. Uh, my body still wants a nap. Like, I mean, I, probably everybody wants a nap, but I try to take those naps because I'm working in a. Uh, sorry about that. I need to turn my my sound off on my phone. But uh, I work in a, a truck and I stop from house to house, so I have the ability to take a nap. So I am still stuck in my preschool ways, and I can get away with it, which is kind of dope. Yeah, I, I like that, but dude, that job has got to be so hard because it's one thing to work like eight hours, just straight like weeding or whatever your whatever your manual labor would be, but it's another thing to like do it on and off for eight hours. Like I would that would ruin me because you're sitting down and just like you're already tired from like that last job and you're taking a break and your body just wants to like shut down and then you got to fire it back up that, like ten minutes. Hit that car ball. Yeah, you're hitting you that car ball. Shove a bunch of food in your mouth real quick before the next job and then. Your hands smell because the weed smell really bad, so you're eating like your PB and J, and it's not a good experience. But just bring some humbling, some hand hands sanitizer. Yeah, yeah. That would, then probably I'd be the, the dweeb that David Meltzer thinks I am. You are the dweeb that David Meltzer thinks. Yeah, you are, I, I so. think we can absolutely soak My that. My favorite dweeb. Like we are way. the dweebs that Dave Meltzer thinks we are, yeah. and like that's totally fine. And I'm, we are absolutely. I think you guys are buying soap. into this conspiracy. No, I, I'll, I'll buy into the dweeb <laughs> part. I'm not, I'll soak that. Like okay. if, because okay. if we meet him one day. Which we will. He'll be like, "Oh my god, these guys, these guys are either mega dweebs or like." He'll be like, "Wow, I'm impressed. I thought these guys were more dweebs than than they appear." So something to think about. You can always sell yourself more. But uh, seamlessly transitioning from our front end to the uh, interview portion. This is not necessarily an interview, though. This is the great, it's great debate. debate. Great debate. So this is our fourth great debate. Is that correct? Yeah. Let's uh, let's give some let, a little history lesson, Andrew. Yes. What was the first history, What was the first uh, great debate? Um, boat versus yacht. No, no. Wait, it was either boat versus yacht or. Uh, this might be the fifth because we've done murder versus assassination. Getting kicked, getting kicked in the balls versus having a baby. Ooh, was that a great debate? Yeah, that was a great debate. Yeah. I remember that. And then gorilla versus gorilla grizzly versus bear. grizzly bear. And now this is the fourth. This is fifth. Yeah. Fifth. Yeah. Nice. So the great debate. You can clearly see it's a reoccurring uh, segment. We are very excited to have this one because we kind of had a little prelim the other night. Phil Zhao was here from Homie, and he got to see what the uh, the the mansion is, what we call our house. And then the, you know the boys from the back pocket are living in here, and we got Matt Heron here. So we gave Phil like a little background of like how the Great Debate works, and we did a little test run, and he got to really experience it, and we got to see all Matt Heron's uh, where he lies and in, in his stance. So we got a little practice. Yeah, it and was. Now we know how to attack him. It was kind of like a pregame, uh, NFL preseason football game. They were watching. It was film. Yeah, they were watching. Yeah, it was. It was and I got to go back and listen to it, or, or watch the film. And you know, I'm excited about it. Uh, we we have a lot of good content ready for you guys. Uh, the, to start though, to start, we um, have to decide. We have to uh, set our boundaries or set our our sides. So, as most people probably already know, the back pocket, Andrew and myself, are process guys. We love the process because the the process will love us. Matt Heron, on the other side, is a results guy. And so we will be deba- be debating process versus results, and we probably should define what we mean, what it, what we mean by these things because, you know, they could be uh, – there's multiple definitions, I should say. So that's the debate. Process versus results. Matt Heron is results. Boys from the back pocket are process. Let's begin. Matt Heron, would you like to start? Sure. Should we just lay out what we mean by Correct. our definitions here? Okay. So what I mean when I say that I'm a results-oriented person 
is not that obviously your process doesn't matter because your process clearly matters. It's how you, you know, that's how you get to your results. But what it means is that you don't, it, it's, it's not your process that defines your results. Your res, the results that you are seeking define your process each time. So you basically, every, every step of the way in your process, you're always going back to what your end result is going to be. And then that's how you actually form your process is, is basically, it's just a, it's a thought process. Okay. So we're, we're basically d defining orientations. So something, it's not necessarily like the, the core value of that result is what you're after. You're more after the pro not the process, the, the orientation or how you think from a day to day basis. Problem solving. That, yeah. Problem solving. I mean, it's all based on problem solving is what I would argue. Right. Um, from a process standpoint, I think a fine tuned process is necessary to achieve that result. And I say this from the standpoint that a result or when the result is arbitrary. So when like the back pocket, like when people ask us like, Oh, what, what's your dream for the back pocket? I can't necessarily tell them exactly what I want it to be. I don't know what the result of the back pocket in five years would be, but I'm passionate as hell every single day to show up and record a podcast. And I'm passionate as hell to push that content out every single day. Because I know, and I that fine-tuned process, trying to trying to make that process better to have that result in the end, that that greater good, that why, is why I am process-oriented. Andrew, um, so yeah, like breaking up the difference between results and process. So the result direction is at the, like when you wake up in the morning, you have a, a checklist or you have a goal, and that's all that the mindset is is thinking about that entire day versus the process has more of a methodology and a, an appreciation for going through those movements and living by that standard versus actually trying to do everything in the manner of finishing the absolute. Um, so that's how I break up the two. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Hey, can you speak of the mic a little bit? Yeah, just, sorry. Just, well, you don't want to lean in like that. Just, just drag it more toward okay. yourself. There you go. So now that we got the definitions out there, this is a great debate. And this is kind of what the fun part is. In the past, we've kind of, Declan and I have been on the same side, or we just haven't done it properly. Like, we, you guys got a great intro to it when Matt was going against us to the first time. And I think that's the first time we did this right. So the biggest improvements from one to two. So I'm excited to wear this heads. Or five. But yeah, I, I like what you're saying is, yeah, we usually took the same side when we do these great debates before. It would just kind of be unpacking like what we were even debating was the debate. But now we're just on the same on the same side of the table here, um, debating against someone who's clearly on the other side. But you know what? It's all good content. I'm excited for it. Um, let's see, Matt. Yes. Give us an argument. Okay. So I laid this out for you guys a little bit in our prelims, and I think I should just reiterate it because it, it it it's just a good metaphor. And it's the only metaphor that I have, and it's the control systems one. Yeah, you should mention that you're a uh, you're an engineer. I am. I am an engineer, and so as a nerd, this is basically all my metaphors are nerd metaphors. So I'm just gonna lead with that. So if you look at what a control system is, so we're gonna we can use the uh, the case of of a uh, speed control on your car of setting the cruise control. So basically, your result would be I want to have my car goes 70 miles an hour. So you, you, th you put that into your cruise control and what your cruise control, which is controlled by a control system does is it 
sees how fast your car is going right now. Use an accelerometer. Sees how fast your car is going right now. It compares it to, okay, my end result is 70. I want to get there. And then depending on how great that error is, it takes the error between where you are now and what your end goal wants to be. It subtracts that error and then it, you know, injects more fuel into your car based on that error. And then it does that, you know, thousands of times in a second. So it's, it's just compare every, every single second, your process is changing on how you're getting to that result by taking where you are now and constantly comparing it to where you want to be. So it's in in every single time that you get in your car and you set that cruise control at 70, the, the, the process that gets you there is completely defined by, um, input variables and what that final result is going to be. So your process is, is different every single time because every single time you want to get up to 70 miles an hour, there's going to be different winds. You're going to be at a different elevation. Your car is going to be getting different gas mileage depending on how many miles you have on it, degradation of parts in your car. So every single time that you tell your car to get up to 70 miles an hour, it's actually doing something differently than it did the last time. But every single time you do it, it gets you to 70 miles an hour better than, you know, any person can just try to be on 70 miles an hour. So basically my thought process is just putting that into a, you know, a human aspect because we're not computers. We can't, we can't make those error corrections, but basically just defining my process by the error between where I am currently and the end result I want to be. Okay. And I love that analogy. And you said this last time and I was like, oh, that's crystal clear. Um, and all our marketing interns are now like, wow, he explained that really well. So well done. Um, where I can t- like take that and move it into where I believe process orientation um, for me is more beneficial in the long haul is so the cruise control sees what it did wrong and then it changes and it does it more efficiently. Is that correct? Right. It, it sees where how it's wrong now, it, the error, and then it corrects based on what that error is every okay. second. Awesome. So personally... Where I find the most benefit is looking in that air, and I see, you, granted you see that result, but you see how you got there, and it was like, oh damn, I did not do it properly in, say, for us, um, recording this podcast, say we had the air conditioning on, okay, where did, we, where did we fall, that's not how I wanted it, and I now recognize it, and I'm going to grow from it, so I'm recognizing how I got there through the step-by-step methodology, and I'm like, this is where I need to be. And now I'm going to grow from that. So I feel like recognizing more of the process itself is beneficial in the long haul. Versus actually, if you just look at the end result of saying, hey, my audio is poor um, and it changes, that's really not appreciated. You're looking at just that finite result versus looking at that full, again, as we're going to say many times, process. I would also say, um, I and I could reflect it on this as well, is the fact that uh, when I show up to work every day, I have a set number of tasks, and all these tasks require are all different results that you want to accomplish. But what I also will say is, when I first started, I didn't really create a checklist. I would just basically try and remember everything that people would tell me, and then do it, and then not really think about the prioritization of it. Not really. Uh, I would spend just time on everything, and then basically knock out every task as far and as I would go. What I did is what I or what I found was. I would forget things. I would forget where I'd leave off if I had to go do something right away. And, you know, I just felt like I was inefficient. And if there's one thing about me, I, if I'm inefficient, like I just get crabby. And I'm all about efficiency. So 
I created a checklist. And every time someone would tell me something, I'd write it down. And like, okay, I need to do this. And then whenever I would go halfway or something, I would write my progress. But anyways, I, I, the process um, that I refined was having this checklist. And it just made me a much more efficient. I was able to you know, refine my task and understanding that the result at the end of the day at both hands was to complete everything that you wanted to do at that time. But how you got there, and again, reflecting on how you failed is where um, I stand on that. Okay. So like one of the one problems I have with, um, you know, you using your, you're you're basically saying that you're, 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 you think that your evolution as a person is more shaped by how you got to something, not what that end result would be. Correct. And I, I agree with that on, on some level. The one, I mean, one of the beefs I have with being focused on the process is you're relying on the fact that, that what worked in the past is the right thing to move forward with. So let's say that, you know, you, you had a process that didn't get you to a goal that, that you wanted to go to. And then, you're looking at that that process of how you got to somewhere and you're relying on the fact that the next time you face a circumstance where you're trying to get maybe a similar result, you're relying on the fact that the right process is going to be the same, right? So maybe you didn't do it, the maybe there was a better way you could have done it before and that, um, sure, there could have been a better way of doing it before. The next time you go to that result, you might go, you know, oh, I'm going to try it this better way. But if you're not thinking enough about the, um, end result, the circumstances of the end result. I mean, small differences in goals you're trying to achieve. I think that you can get muddied down in 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 how you approach a problem to where you know you're. I, I use the example, you know, shooting free throws when you're trying to be a better wide receiver. Right? It's that sounds ridiculous when you're putting it in a sports context, but it's very easy to to get off of a, on the wrong path because some of the problems we face. At work, some of the problems we face in life are so nuanced, so complicated that if you're not constantly going back to what that end result is, and when I mean when I say results, I'm not just talking about, you know, your your final final result. You're you you have intermediate goals, and then under those intermediate goals, you have you know just the next goal, taking the next step. You know, so that that's the end result of you know you can have small results, but. I think that if you're if you're focusing too much on the process, you're relying on the circumstances being the same the next time you face that problem. Sure, and I think the that constant reflection is reflected in both the result and the process. I think you have to always go back and check and see where you went wrong and how you can get better, the positives, the negatives, the strikes, and the gutters. And I think regardless of whether you look at it from a, a uh, results orientation or a process orientation, that consistent checking back and that consistent reflection is perfect. But what I would argue for, um, for what the argument that you made was you said like you, you're never going to have that same issue or if you have that same issue again, you can't just rely on the previous semi result or the previous process. But what makes the, the process or the, what makes people successful are the ones that can learn the best from those mistakes who can, maximize the opportunity that they have, right? If something wrong happened to me and I would, I only, I looked at it half-assed where I was sulking for the majority of it. And then at the end, I was like, you know what? I can turn this around. I would not be near 
as good after that unless uh, compared to if I had you know maybe sulked for five percent of it and the other 95 percent of it I just attacked and said okay how can I get better right I mean I agree with that and in you know at at some point these the two things are very intertwined but I I still think that there's a benefit in I mean it's just really it's just how you approach the problem right so if you're if you're approaching the problem um, you know, let's say you, you have a routine, basically process oriented people. I think a lot of times have routines, you know, they wake up in the morning, they write down their goals and they, you know, and they follow the same kind of thing every day. And I don't do that. That's not some of that can be very successful for some people. But for me, it's just, I, I try to approach it's, it's just a, a, a critical thinking strategy, basically that when I see a problem, no matter how small, um, you know, I'm going, okay, I need to, uh, I need to design, uh, I don't know, what, whatever, some, some mechanism. I need, to, I need to pick this object up. I need to design a mechanism that picks this object up and, and puts it up here. And I go, you know, I look at what my process is for doing that right now. And I, you know, I compare it and I work backwards. So I go, okay, I want, I want an arm that can pick it up and put it up here. And I, by seeing what that end result can be, I can work backwards from there and find the best process through looking at the result and not stray off the path and end up, you know, creating a, an arm because I created that work the last time, you know, I, the last time I created an arm to pick something up, you know, I did it this way and, but you know, the parameters might be different the second time. Mm -hmm. And I think I can stand on the same forefront with that, with my job right now is of just taking weeds off a beach or taking weeds off of a swim area next to a dock. I see where all the weeds are and I know I'm where, where I need to put them and I can envision okay so if I take all of these weeds and I put them here how am I gonna what's it gonna look like from transporting it this direction am I gonna use a wheelbarrow am I gonna use my spring rake am I gonna use my pitchfork am I am I gonna collect it in this fashion so working back in that regard can be um, I, you can look at it as the as the end result but where I guess the gratification comes from uh, for me in this job so a beach is littered with weeds and I need to clean off the beach and then I need to wheelbarrow all of these weeds into the truck I find at the end of the day not the end result of seeing the beach completely cleaned but the um, actual performance of working on this beach and figuring out how I I got this beach clean and then it being clean okay where did I feel most gratified actually figuring this out not the end result of cleaning the beach. I That's like that. how I would uh, put this into an analogy of the argument. Yeah, I like that a lot, actually. That's huge. What's cool, too, is uh, like what I find in, in this world right now is that football guys, football coaches more specifically, are so fine-tuned on their process. And I am so concerned or so, uh, you know, so curious on why that is. And... I really haven't unpa unpacked it that much, but the fact that, you know, their goal, what, how, here's how I look at it, is the result of a game. So you blow a team out 42 to 10 or something like that. A coach focused on the process will value every single play of that game and see how you failed and see how you could get better. And you come into that Sunday for film and you're like, damn, feels like we lost based on you know, just how we're being critiqued right now. 
And I think that goes back to my statement before. It's like, yeah, you're spending that 95 to 100% on trying to get better, not congratulating yourself on that result, right? And I feel like someone who would be results-oriented possibly would look at that result and then move on to the next next goal or the next uh, possibility of a result. Yeah, I mean, we, we kind of talked about this when we had this discussion in the in the prelims. I actually, I mean, sports can be a good metaphor for this because everyone kind of gets them, but I actually think that they can, it's actually doesn't suffice in this. It's kind of an oversimplification. If you're, if you're trying to, you know, extrapolate this conversation to, you know, all problems, how to approach all problems in life, I think sports aren't exactly a good thing because, you know, sports can represent, um, you know, specific life lessons that you learn, you know, teamwork, you know how to how to lose and communication communication uh you know that's part of the reason why it's so important to have your kids in sports right because they can learn these life lessons where there's you know and and when the stakes are extremely low you know there's no, really no consequences to to making mistakes in sports but one of the reasons why this isn't a great analogy for this conversation i would argue is that the there's the parameters that define a sport are so they're the boundaries are so much more strict in a sport than they are in like a real world example because you know there's specific rules there's one way to win the game um you know so in this the result is basically thrown in your face on what it is it's very it's very easy you know you score more touchdowns than the other team you're going to win the game and then you can you know it's very easy to see that and then work back from there and just perfectly fine tune your process and become a master of the game when that result is so you know is so is so blanket out there for you like win the national championship right win the national championship and and at at the end of the day like you're you're gonna be in the gym and if let's say let's take two people let's take two let's a person who's trying to solve a re like a real world maybe super difficult problem at work compared to an athlete who's trying to become you know the best at their universe they're they're trying to get a starting spot as a wide receiver right so that, that wide receiver, he's going to be in the gym. He's going to be – it's very easy for him to know what to do next, right? There's an, there's an outline. People have been doing this for – fine-tuning this process for 100 years. It's very easy to focus on the process, right? And that's the – you know, that's already been perfectly fine-tuned based on the results. So, you know, he's not going to find himself in the gym shooting free throws on accident. No, he's not going to be like, oh, my God, how did I get here? Why am I shooting free throws? I'm trying to become a better wide receiver. No, he's going to be doing catching drills. He's going to be working out. He's going to be running routes. He's going to be watching film. And that when you when you try to step that over and extrapolate it to super difficult problems where the results are you know could be different every single time, and and there aren't these specific boundaries that that hold in and have these rules set for you where the results are just kind of you know just laid out. You know this is what to do you could easily find yourself at work, you know, shooting free throws as a metaphor, you know, when you're trying to solve a problem and you could spend hours, you know, doing things that aren't actually going to get you the end result you want. So, yeah, let's stick with this analogy for a little bit. Let's try to end. end let's uh, unpack it. Let's unpack, unpack it. We're going to unpack it. Let's focus on this exact. So comparing the process of sports and the process of a really difficult task at work. At work. Yeah. And considering the benefits being um, the actual process itself or the results. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. So with sports, um, like you said, it's very easy to look at it and um, say that there's boundaries of limitations. Um, 
And that's true. But I believe that that transitions, uh, the boundaries are not as specific and as visible in a work setting, but nonetheless, there are boundaries, um, whether it is the amount of um, technology that you have or the amount of skill that you're surrounded by or the personal skill that you have. You recognize all of those boundaries while you're working through this process. And you can translate this um, when you have played sports and you can look at it like, okay, I am in a team of 11 on the football field. I am the safety. This is what I bring to the table. If I do my job this way, then everyone on the, t uh, the other 10 people will be able to do their, their assigned job properly. That's looking at the, the basic of a scheme for football. And then the play happens, and as a defense, you need to adjust and figure out what the offense is bringing to you. You can predict verse variabilities of third down, second down, down and distance, all of that. And then the safety has a checklist that they go through. Um, okay, it's a run. I need to make sure that I stay outside and the, the run play comes inside because I have linebacker help inside. And when the running back gets to me, I want to have my head this way to tackle properly and so on and so forth. Okay, that's the process of the safety thinking. So then you get to the process of the work employee. You have a project. Let's go back to the analogy you used earlier. You're, en you're an engineer and you have to figure out how to pick something up and move it to a new, new location. So you go through your checklist. Okay, this is what I need to figure out to get to this employee who is special, specializes in this, and I need to go through and take every ownership that I have and move forward to allow the next person to make this product efficiently. And at the end of the day, when I look at both of these pools, both of these situations, I thoroughly, personally, and I believe it is worthy for everyone to look at it this way, the and it's not the end result that actually um, becomes rewarding when you go to bed at night. It's how you actually figured all of this out and laid it down on a table to allow other people to become successful and allow yourself to be the best version of yourself. So that is why I believe a process-oriented person is, I, get, I, I hate to say better because it's not every situation that you need to be process-oriented, but for the majority, a process-oriented person will live a more... Um, uh, holistic holistic yeah they'll have more fulfillment in their life I mean I wouldn't I guess it a lot some of it depends on you know what you care about when it comes down to it so um, you know I mean this is just goes back to you know not to be a dick about it but this kind of go ba goes back to the participation trophy no, but argument I right? agree so I mean I mean but when you're looking at these two things right now you can look at the actual step-by-step -step to figuring out how to create the mechanism of picking something up and, right. and figuring out how to stop an offense from gaining a yard. Um, those, two, uh, those two goals, I guess, um, you can look at every step as a result or you can look at every step as a next point to get you to right. where you want to go. And that's where I believe we need to kind of unpack a little further. Right. Okay, but the, the process only gives you fulfillment when you achieve the root if it's if it's if there's no result at the end that if like sports analogy you know you you let's say you your team wins a championship of some sort and you look back and you say man it was really the process that because that's part of the argument that you guys are making it was you know the process is what made me a better person i look back that's what i really cared about not actually winning it but everything that got me up to that point i mean ask someone who lost that year you know they're they're not getting fulfillment from this process, right? Well, so, I would I would argue sorry to interrupt, but I would argue 
the fact that that's just one that's just one result at one point in time. So if someone starts a company and they started when they're 20, they run it for 10 years and it fails. It goes bankrupt and they're left with nothing at 30. Well, is that was their process that whole 10 years in experiencing trials and tribulations, strikes and gutters? Was that all a wash? And like now they can't roll what they learned from that point into the next business venture that they have. Like I, I like to think of it that way where it, it's never just like, it's never just the end of the road. There's always like that next thing. Right. So yeah, some people from the outside looking in like, Oh man, he spent all that time doing all that. But you know what? There's so many people who have started and started failed and then succeeded later on in life. There's all kinds of companies like that. And there's also com- companies that, you know, maybe they stick with for so long and they just never hit or they hit at a certain point, like McDonald's. McDonald's didn't hit big until um, Dave Meltzer actually talks about this. McDonald's didn't hit big until they had their like one of their the brothers had an investor that took them to the next stage because he saw a vision for it. Right. The entrepreneur that saw that vision. Wonder Bread didn't get big for like 80 or 90 years. It was family owned for the longest time. They were happy with where they were at. And then someone helped them scale and finally hit big after 90 years. That's like two generations worth allegedly of, of hard work and effort being put in. But that process was ingrained within that Wonder Bread family or, you know, throughout those trials and tribulations again. And I think that's really where you got to sit back and reflect and always understand that a failed result is never something doesn't necessarily correlate to a bad process. Yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't correlate to not earning anything. I'm not, I'm not saying that, that failing, you know, that's the biggest lessons you can get is from failing. I'm not arguing against that. I'm more just, I mean, let's talk about, yeah, what were we unpacking? Yeah. Well, we were unpacking that, but also let's, this led to what led to the next thing that I kind of want to talk about. You mentioned briefly was, there would be no result without the process. Right. You mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk about that further? Yeah. So, I mean, th- this goes back to like the controls thing. It's, 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 it's not a routine, you know, you're not, it's, you're, you're defining your, your process is completely defined by parameters that are input from what your end result is going to be. So every single time you approach a problem, your process is actually different. It's not a routine you're following. Right. It's a it's a it's a problem solving, I guess, I guess, in a way it's a routine. It's a problem solving method that you're applying to each. But every single time you have a problem, it's all of the input parameters that you have, the situation that you're in, you know, every input parameter you can think of to that as that problem facing you is going to be different the next day, even if it seems like it's the same thing. So your process is being manipulated and created by constantly comparing where you are right now to what you want to be what you want your end result to be it's you know it's the control system and then you know there's obviously there's a million different examples that you could use for that but basically that i'm arguing that it's it's more effective at least for me to create my process by looking at the end results that i want clearly defining the goals and working back to create the process that works best and this this is also like what what, what kind of problems do you want to solve, right? So, like, root, root, I think when you're when you're focusing on the process, in a way, you're only solving problems that have already been solved to one degree or another by someone else, right? So, on the football field, 
you know, you're trying to solve a problem that one team solves every single year, right? And they, they solved it better than you solved it, right? But if you're, if you're trying to do innovation, right? If you're trying to do something that, that someone else has never done, there is no process to even look at, right? You have to, you have to create your own process. And by, the only way to create your process is by knowing what your end result is going to be and creating your process based on the inputs of your life and the end result that you want to have. What about reflecting on the people who have gone after that innovation before? So if you're creating like a new wind turbine, I would say that one of the first things that you'd want to look at is the people who did, tried so to design one of, it That's one of the input variables that you're okay. using to create the process that you're going to use to solve the problem that no one else has solved before. So with every innovation, I believe that people look back into a process that they can improve on. So if you look at the innovation of Facebook, they address the problem that um, people fall out of friendships because they have a lack of communication and they can't find each other because texting and emailing um, and phone calls was not enough. So. Mark Zuckerberg addressed this problem by creating a platform that's never been addressed before. But by doing that, he looked at every single thing that was out there and how it was presented, and he was like, okay, I need to tweak it in this way, and I need to put it on something that's never been done before. So he was figuring that out through um, others that have already done it. I don't believe he was the sole person to ever come up with this idea, or like um, the process of actually coming up with this was not just him doing something completely new to an extent. I No, I agree. But to me, that what you just defined as results-oriented, right? Because he wasn't, he's not changing the way people approach these problems, right? He's, he's, he's changing the way, the end result of what these things do, right? So he's taking the results of other people. He's saying that result isn't sufficient. That result isn't sufficient. I don't like that result. He found a new result that no one had ever achieved before. And, you know, he maybe he used some of the same processes to get that, but I'm guessing that he, he the, I mean, the, the most difficult part about creating Facebook, you know, probably wasn't, I guess I'm just kind of talking out of my ass here. What would here, you but think the biggest problem the, was starting Facebook? Well, the, the, I'm guessing the, mo the most impressive thing to me is, is the, the vision of the thing, right? Is, is actually defining the result that, what became Facebook, right? I, to me, that's like, that's the Steve Jobs thing. You know, Steve Jobs wasn't an engineer, but why was he so amazing? is because the result that he was able to define was something that no one even knew they wanted or knew could be a thing, right? So he defined that result, and then there is no process for achieving the first iPhone, right? That process doesn't exist. So he, he defined a result that no one had even conceived of, and then he worked back from his vision to create that, to meld his own process. I would say, though the when the result is arbitrary is when you love the process and you become that process oriented person because you are working for something that you is is unknown and you have to really commit yourself to that i think like twitter would be a great example two guys from google who left and then started this q a board and right that was their idea was like oh this would be great to have this interaction well, look at it now. It's totally different from what they started, right? That result was something completely op not opposite, but different, right? Steve Jobs' idea, we have to th remember that it was started as the iPod. 
and there was a computer before that, you know, he was, he went from trying to compress something down to something much simpler. And then when the phone started coming out, you know, he put two and two together. And I think that awareness, that sensory acuity that Tony Robbins talks about, what enabled him to, you know, put two and two together and make that iPhone. But I think his message at the same, at the end of the day was very simple. And it was that simplicity. How can I, how can I make things, how can I make life more simple? Right, but do you think he achieved that end result by a defining a routine? Sorry. Do you think he found that end result by defining a routine that he did? So, like, he he woke up in the morning and did all the same stuff, and then you know the the iPhone just fucking jumped out of you know one day he was writing down his checklist of things to do, and there it was, and it was finished on his desk. Well, no, I'm sure there was a there was obviously it's more detailed than right. that, but I think. Waking up every single day with the motivation to design something that makes life simpler and mo- the motivation and the, just the tenacity, the drive to, I mean, unfortunately, Steve Jobs was just so ignorant of his health, right? He was so concerned, so concerned about his, like, his passion for trying Steve, to make Steve things. Steve Jobs is a process-oriented person. Correct. I would argue. No, he is. He is? Okay. So... Maybe this is already out there. Maybe someone's already made this point, but through this conversation that, or the debate that we've had so, so far, I believe what we're really debating is exactly what you kind of mentioned and you've already mentioned. So the thing that you look at when you finish something, is it the, um, again, we can look at the um, example that we've used already, the robot moving. The robot yeah. uh, engineer. You're picking, you have to develop something to pick something up and move it. Okay. Um, if it actually works, great. That's the result. That's what a process-oriented person would look at as the most beneficial portion. What a um, results? Did I say results? But you said process, but you meant results. I meant results. Um, would look at that being most beneficial. A process person would look at something that you kind of mentioned already is arbitrary. The intangible aspects. So with Steve Jobs, he was not a people person. He did not care what other people thought. He only wanted to make the best product and make a ton of money. That's what the um, articles say. That's what the books say. I'm paraphrasing. But um, a process-oriented person would go through this whole thing and truly care about the finite details of uh, people relations, of um, being, I don't know, efficient with your money, uh, being organized in a certain fashion. So I guess what we're really arguing is versus like the emotional thing versus the actual tangible um, sure. a, a script writing uh, train of thought. Are you trying to just get there and accomplish this or are you trying to do something in, um, in a way that helps other people around, helps yourself grow? It just grows um, you as a person. Grows you the, as a person. The evolution of, no, but I get that. But I think, I mean, that, that only happens in hindsight of achieving something of achievement right so you uh, again achievement or failure both that can both be well sad. i i mean i would argue that a in a massive lifetime of failure of just pure failure without any w's like you're just talking to a guy who just loses at everything he huge, ever huge has done with two years of the i mean Browns that guy's him. life stopped and it doesn't matter how many lessons he learned along the way you know he never i mean at the end of the day you have there has to be something tangible to get any benefit out of your process. I totally agree that that after you finish a problem, the thing that grows you 
as a person definitely isn't the final product, right? I mean, that's what matters in in economic terms, but in in personal growth, I agree that it's your process of how you're getting there that grows you. But at the end of the day, I mean, what do you what are we doing? You know, like do you, do you care what gets put on the table, or do you care? I mean, this is the participation trophy award. No, yeah, yeah absolutely, but. Not the participation. <laughs> process-oriented person is not trying to make sure everyone sees a reward. That's not what a process-oriented person is striving to do. A process-oriented person is making sure that everyone has had an opportunity to achieve that award. If they didn't, then they failed and they did not get it. They did not get that trophy. They did not get first place. They were just a participant. But that happened. Okay, fine. Do you have an opportunity to do it again? Yes. Then they change their methodology and they move forward. A process-oriented person is not about giving every single person the, um, the actual tangible reward. Right. But, why, but why, why go back and change your process? If you want to be a winner. In the long run, you know, you could make that one sale right at the beginning because of some arbitrary right. reason. If you just stuck with that the rest of the time you'd be broke well, right but that, that's a process oriented thing but why You're, would you champion that one thing that you that you uh knew you you know you got it right you got the 5k or you made that sale but if you really went back and look at it you're like oh he only gave it to me because right. he felt I, bad for no me. but that's that's 100 percent what i'm saying it went about like my thought processes so the next time i go to approach a sale in that circumstance i'm not going to be looking back at my process my process the pro- how I did it before isn't going to matter, right? I, I think mean, we're that, saying that, the same thing. Yeah, we're saying the same thing. Okay. I mean, that if I if I made a sale, it doesn't matter how I made that first sale. The next time I make a sale, it's going to be totally different. And I and I and if I approach it with the same process, right? It's gonna it could be a hundred percent of a failure because I mean that that is might be the perfect metaphor, right? Because each person is different. Each person is going to react different in a sales scenario. You have to talk to different people different based on you know you're in you're always engaging with what their you know vibe is what what you're you're feeling them out and you're always making that error adjustment in your behavior to fine-tune your process if you approach to sale every way at the same time you know you just you're just watching grant cardone videos and you're just you're, you're just throwing out his lines out there i don't think that's gonna work right yeah every situation is totally different i think uh, oh you got it Andrew. yeah i'm, I'm gonna say we're tending to beat the dead horse a, a few times a little bit, yeah. uh, throughout many of these points that we've made. So I'm going to bring up one final point and see, bring it home, kids. And see where our argument lies on this stance. Okay, you're going to hire someone for your job. You're looking at their resume, and then you interview the person. Are you going to look at the accomplishments of the resume and the verbal things that they tell you they've accomplished? Or are you looking at that person in a way of... Um, are they trustworthy? Uh, the, the intangible um, emotional value. I think that, those are the differences of when someone is hiring. Which per, which way do you want to go about it, Matt Heron. Um, by the resume. And are you saying that to stand by the argument? No, I I mean like so. If you there are a couple of studies that they've done with this where the number one thing that um can it's the best predictor for someone doing well in a job is a person's IQ. So it's it's not their actual like results, but it's it's not it's not their actual achievements. It's not what degree they've gotten, but it's you know just how smart they are. But it's I 
I think that your achievements is a much better predictor of, you know, how good you are at what you do than, you know, saying that you like you had a good time, you know. Mm-hmm. No, I think I think you're right. I mean, I think you got to balance it a little bit of both, right? I mean, you can there there are those kids who are really good at just bullshitting, like in showing that they are something that really they're not. You know, they have these really cool things on their on their resume, like, but what does that actually mean? And I think that's what you find out when you interview someone sure. a lot of the times. And, and that's what the resume, you know, kind of acts as is, are these bullet points for, you know, the person to ask and, you know, elaborate more on. Because if you were just hiring based off the resume strictly, you would hire the kid with the best GPA and the kid who had experience in your field of work beforehand or, you know, something like that. I mean, that. But, but that is what they do. I mean, that is the best way to, I mean, every time you hire a candidate, you, you know, it's at, at some point it's going to be a toss in the air. You know, you don't actually know how good they're going to be at your job, but this is why most places that are hiring for engineering have a strict GPA cutoff because sure, you might find the 2.0 kid who's a genius. He has all the intangibles and is going to be great at that job, but it's rare. It's very rare. Right. And if you're just, if you, if you're just picking out, if you're, throwing your chances as a, as a, you know, as a company, as a, if you're hiring someone and you're going to, you know, you're going to take a swing, you're going to, you're going to wait for the, you know, the fastball down the middle. Maybe you can take that, you know, CC Sabathia slider out to right field, but I'd rather take a meatball, you know? That's fair. And, uh, I think we've said everything that we wanted to. Is there any final points that anyone wants to make? I think both arguments are great. I think, the fact that we're having this conversation just really dives deep into our brains and the fact that we are both trying to fine tune our process, trying to, or just fine tune our, ourselves, right? Just better ourselves and just having and unpacking these conversations. So excellent. Regardless, I'm happy with it all. And that's the great debate. And I, I leave it up to the marketing interns. Uh, please leave a review in the, uh, in the comments page, either on our website, on YouTube, um, various, uh, you can iTunes. tweet at us. You can, you'll see some Instagram photos about this. You can leave comments below. iTunes is always a great option. Um, so that concludes our, our great debate. Let's hit that little exit music. Okay, so that's the great debate, and I do want to do a little reflection real quick on the great debate before we get to our what you learn in a feel good story. So this is the back end of our show. So thank you, marketing interns, for making it this far. We really appreciate you. You guys are a tier above the rest. You know the drill. Final reflection, real quick. I want to say that through this conversation, I firmly believe that it reinforces a mantra that my dad has kind of taught me, and I've kind of seen through in my life. Moderation is so key. I mean, we've said it in many occasions throughout the scenarios that we gave as examples, that results and then the process um, have these different beneficiary factors and you can look at it this way, but at the end of the day, you need to have balance. I I was a perfect example. I probably um, guilted myself into falling into a results-oriented person a few times during the examples and I could see myself talking through it and I was like, oh crap, this is results-oriented. I'm like, but at the same time, that's great. You, like you said, right. you need to have the result in there because if you don't, if you don't try to win, you're going to be a loser. And at, at, you can be a loser for many times. That's fine. That's not wrong. But you have to try to change and you have to be a winner at some point. There are must-win opportunities at some point. I, I totally agree. The balance is so crucial. 
and yeah, I, I kind of felt that way as well. Like when we're unpacking all this, I'm like, man, I'm just like, is there a difference? (laughs) (laughs) There's really, I mean, there's really not, I, I mean, I think there is, but honestly having this conversation is, is like the most important part about it. Like everyone has to be a little bit listening in a to this bit. conversation, listening to this conversation makes you a better person. No, absolutely. Having the conversation. That's the thing. Like people will shy away from it and be so firmly stuck in their ways and mm-hmm. not give in to hearing the other person out. And I felt like in this instance, we did a great job of just listening and saying, Oh, that's a really good point. I'm going to try to combat it as a results oriented person and say it in this way. And, and then we did the same thing on our end. So it was just really cool to have those conversations. And I feel like we're getting way better at these great debates. And we must continue to have Matt Heron on. And maybe one of us needs to join his side because I yeah. keep feeling bad that two people attacking It's all right. Me. I'm the master debater. Yeah, you are. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> but That's a in, great pun, dude. I love in that. In the future, maybe Matt and I come at you, Declan. Yeah, that would yeah. be a fun sight to yeah. see. Yeah, well, I think it just depends on what we're arguing, right? Yeah, this, that's fair. This is How a, bad this is the pun. Broncos are going to be this year. Oh, we don't even need to talk about that. Four and 12. Jesus. I think like three and 13. Three and 13. Oh, what do you got deck? I, I guess, uh, one thing that Six was really cool. Well, here's, here's one thing that's really improved is 16 is our talk and our conversation that we've we had hard knocks next year. Looking like a, looking John like El- a mess. Looking like the Browns. Well, first of all, John White, John Elway would never do hard Antonio knocks. Brown's going to rehab. What? Oh, wait, that's wrong. Team. I was talking crap Speak, on Andy. Speaking to the mic, guy. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, kids. Mic. Speaking of speaking Sorry, to the kids. mic, though, um, we've just gotten way better at talking, like having a three-way conversation. I would say, like, the first 12 minutes were so brutal. It, well, it just felt brutal. I'm sure it wasn't bad. But I was just the, – the flow, it didn't seem right. But, like, yeah, we, as we started to, like, unpack and, you know, have a format to follow, now look at us, dude. Bunch of ragtag boys just, just having a conversation. With our shirts off. With our shirts Let's trap the puck and let's kick it to the back end. So back end, you know, you marketing interns know what the deal is. It's a what did you learn in a feel-good story. I can start and say, what did I learn today? I learned that it's been the theme of this show, um, the theme of this exact, not the podcast in general, but this show in particular, of having conversation will enhance any person's IQ, no matter what. If you truly try to listen and gather information from another point's perspective, whether it's politics, whether it's talking about intangible emotions, whether it's talking about sports. You can always hear another person out, and you can always grow from it. And I do appreciate this podcast for that, and I do appreciate having the ability to put these headphones on and do this because it feels like we're extremely locked in to every person's voice inflection, articulation, and word choice. And you're crushing it, man. I mean, you you have articulated your thoughts better I've been with you for a year and a half now on this, and it was beautiful, man. It was Van Gogh. <laughs> it was Da Vinci. It was everything in between. Antonio I loved it. Brown. Antonio Brown. Yeah, Tony Tutat. <laughs> but I, I, I you want, heard it I here first. <laughs> I don't want you to sell yourself short on, on the the overall message of the back pocket either, though, because controversy is the air we breathe. And you know what? Understanding that, documenting that, and being able to just listen, man, perceive your audience simple as that what did i learn let's kick it in matt heron you know oh yeah yeah yeah. what do you think what did you learn today what did i learn today throughout this um well i would i think i learned that um sometimes you know the you you have to look at how you grow as a person when you're looking at you know what's beneficial to you what's the result you want isn't all about 
achievement. It's, you know, the, at the end of the day, you know, what do you, what do you want to have on your tombstone? You want to have your achievements or do you want to have, you know, who you were? And so, you know, if, if that takes taking a participation trophy every once in a while, then, you know, maybe I should start picking one up. Well, I believe really all that it takes is speaking into the mic. And uh, one of these days you'll learn how to do it. Declan, what did you learn? Oh, that was awesome. Uh, what did I learn? So this is a little off the beaten path, but I'm going to throw it out there for you boys. I was uh, listening to another podcast today, and I did not know, and now I do know, that Jeannie Buffs and Phil Jackson like dated for like 15 years or so, years on end, put it that way. And Dr. Jim Buss, I think, the Buss family owns the Lakers. Bill Buss. Bill, definitely not Bill, but <laughs> Sorry. either way, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry Buss, Dr. Jerry Buss. Thank you, Andrew. Jer- I made that up. I'm pretty sure it's Jerry, but anyways, his Jerome Bettis, Jerome Bettis. Well, Jeannie, Jeannie Buss is in the Lakers organization the Buss. and she was dating Phil Jackson. It, was, it just blew my mind. So I didn't know she was dating Jerome Bettis either. Dude, you're speaking so much into the mic now. You like that? Yeah. It's because I've been looking at you guys, and I had the mic over here. Oh. Yeah, you, I also learned that we need to re, when we have three people in the den, this mic needs to be attached to the bottom because this guy just gets totally excluded with this arm over here. Yeah, he it's does. It's not appropriate. Yeah. Well, I just think we need to bag the table, or at least get a something table. different. Yeah, like a couch or get something. Get a table without this lip. Yeah, that too. I, if we can just spread out just a little more, right? I think we would have yeah, room for everything. Out. Because what's what's cool to bring back the headphones? We're gonna beat the headphone horse until uh, to the end of the world. But until it's over, until we don't feel like yeah, it's, until it becomes one of us. Because right now it's so new that we just have to talk about it every chance. Have to because it's just in my head, man. It's right there. Anyways, like we, I could, we could be sitting in the on the couches. And then Matt could be sitting over here. We should get we should get a table, a long table, when we do the great debates. You guys sit on one side of the long table. We have a vase in the middle. Mm-hmm. We so just we have the mints. Yeah. yeah, I like that. But we can hear each other. Yeah, well, that's Headphones. that's the key. We can always hear each other. Close my eyes, and I can still have this debate pretty damn easily. Yeah, I, I don't need to be worrying about nothing, man. And we could also smoothly transition to our feel good story with our eyes closed. And what a great transition! And I'm super excited about it. Andrew, what's our feel-good story? The feel-good story of the week, as we always do, we leave on a positive note and we treat our marketing interns with respect and give them an enhanced mood at the end of the podcast. So what we will talk to you today about in this feel-good story is showing love to someone that needed it, and it's Matt Heron. He has been someone that you can have a conversation with anywhere, and you know it is going to be an awesome conversation. Whether it's talking about how to make toast in the morning, whether it's talking about the process versus results. Matt Heron brings his A-game, and he's always going to be there for you. So thank you, Matt, for coming on the show and being a part of this hour-long podcast with us. This is the first time we've ever done this, and I think uh, it could be done again because of the, the, uh, the legacy that you have left before you. That was beautiful. I love you guys. Thanks, man. I would also just add, you know, you are so knowledgeable, and you're much more knowledgeable than Andrew and I. Your average quality is not knowledge. So it's just great to always learn and always just be a sponge around you because I just learned so much. And I hope our marketing interns learned a lot today because it was just wild. I hope everyone grew because I grew within that hour. That hour and 10 minutes that we just talked or however long, like we, I feel better. So I hope you guys feel better. 
Love you guys. Love you guys. Take care. Podcast 65 next week. Big time guest. See Thank you, guys. you, marketing interns. This has been Declan Brown, Andrew and Sarah, and Matt Heron with The Great Debate.